Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the Project Life Mastery Podcast. I'm Stephen James, founder of projectlifemastery.com, internet entrepreneur and life coach with a passion for living life to the fullest and fulfilling my potential as a human being. My purpose for this podcast is to be a powerful and passionate example of the unlimited possibilities that life offers for any of us that has the courage to commit ourselves to life mastery while sharing ideas, concepts, and strategies that can help you master every area of your life from your health, mindset, emotions, business, finances, relationships, and spirituality. Now, if you're someone like me that is hungry to take their life to the next level, then you're in the right place. Welcome and let's begin. Hey everyone, this is Stefan from ProjectLifeMastery.com and I'm here at SellerCon in Orlando and being joined by Jeremiah Kovacs, who's the founder of Muse Minded, which is uh, an accounting and bookkeeping firm for Amazon sellers. And today we're going to talk about a topic that if you're an Amazon seller, I know that you're going to be curious about and it could be a subject a lot of people are intimidated by, which is Amazon sales tax, Amazon accounting, if you've got an Amazon business, you know, what's the deal with all of that? So Jeremiah, I want to say thank you for taking the time for joining me today. Super stoked to be here. Yeah, so um, maybe share with people a little bit about your background and how you got into uh, Muse Minded and what, what you guys do and what you guys have built. Sure, yeah. So I have a four-year accounting degree uh, and I uh, started working for cloud accounting firm. Just the technology in the industry is really changing. I wanted to be on the cutting edge of that. And um, I parted ways with them and started my own firm. And I actually had a mentor that helped me get into the e-commerce space. And uh, he started sending me clients that were too small for him. And I started to realize within the first you know, five, six, seven months that there was this amazing opportunity on the Amazon platform. All of my best, fastest growing clients were like leveraging the Amazon platform um, to like just supercharge their business. And it's like, there's something here. And so I said, you know what, let me just focus on this platform and, and then, you know, fo- people that are focused on the Amazon platform. Um, and and we haven't looked back. And so we do bookkeeping, we do um, sales tax consulting, we do income tax uh, for the business. And we're just now starting to get into, uh, instead of always looking back, see what happened, we're, gonna, we're starting to help folks prepare for the future and really start to um, work with strategic growth, growth consulting. So awesome. um, yeah, amazing place to be. Yeah, no, and, and it's definitely, I mean, it's a great niche because there's an explosion of Amazon sellers. And I think you're mentioning that last year alone, there's 300,000 uh, new seller central accounts on Amazon. And what did you mention about how many are making 100K? Yeah, so this is straight from Amazon. I got an email three weeks ago. 300,000 new seller accounts in 2017 and over 180,000 sellers in the U.S. make six figures a year or more. Amazing. 
So there's a lot of bad press right now about how Amazon's taking jobs, but I think that's the side of the story most people don't realize. Yeah. Like this has been a wealth, wealth. like factory for yeah. for you know just a common common citizen. If that makes sense. Oh yeah, I mean there's so many people now they're making their living on Amazon. So amazing, amazing opportunity for us to be able to take advantage of that. Now I know you get uh, you, you work with so many uh, Amazon sellers and businesses. Um, what do you see as the, the biggest, I guess, challenges, or what, what do people, uh, you know, they come to you and ask you questions about? What are the things that people should know watching this that they should be aware of in terms of bookkeeping, taxes, accounting for their Amazon business? Yeah, that's a big question because there's, I mean, there's, you know, a good handful of pitfalls or here and there that that could trip you up. But one of the things that I think the very first pitfall, and this actually is going to seem counterintuitive, is that in the, if you're just starting off the first few months, like, don't worry about playing business and getting your logo in, like, I got to get the perfect accounting system and all this together. Yeah. Like, go make sales. Yeah. Once you have three to six months of, of real good activity, like, then we can start working together and, like, getting you caught up. But, like, so I think counterintuitively, like, don't freak out about it too early. Yeah, people worry about it too much at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. And um, and the other the other thing is like uh, I, I would say like nowadays like people there's so much automation and tools to help speed up this process and do, take a lot of like the accounting like jargon out of the process like that I think accounting is is more accessible now than it's ever been. So I would say, like, it's maybe something that's super foreign to you, but it, I, I think it's something that is really accessible. You don't have to get overwhelmed by. And, you know, come work with someone like me to kind of, I'll, I mean, I have free stuff to help you yeah. kind of, like, get that stuff in order early on. Um, so I'd say, like, don't be afraid to, like, a lot of people maybe are starting to, like, try to track all their receipts in, like, a big Excel doc, and they're getting overwhelmed by that, and I'd say, like, there's some really great tools out there that can, like, turn that whole side of your business into something you do a couple hours a month, Um, and and, and, and maybe a lot less, so... uh, I mean, I, there's like a hand. There's like a whole other yeah. set of pitfalls. Like, yeah. um, you know, there's sales tax, which I think we should make that a whole conversation sure. in a few minutes. Um, you know, one one issue I see, just kind of in the nuts and bolts, is like, um, it, it, like how people deal with like handling inventory. And a lot of times, when people just get started, they think like, when I buy inventory, I need to make it all an expense. And there's a procedure you need to do for that. But um, I, I mean, I, I, so I think like my website, and I think you're going to be sharing this, there's a whole set of tools that yep. can help. I have free courses that will help people walk through all that DIY. And, and, and so... Um, yeah, and we'll make sure to link to that. So he's got amazing free resources. If you're, even if you're, you're not ready yet to work with someone like him or hire an accountant, there's a lot that you can do yourself and just educate yourself uh, for that. At, w- at what point, let me ask you this, at what point would someone really be ready to, to, like, at what point does it make sense for them to say, okay, I need to hire a bookkeeper or an accountant or, or work with someone like you? Sure. I normally see when someone gets to around 20K in sales, um, per the, month or per year? Per month, sorry, yeah. So around 20K a month per, uh, in sales uh, per month. 
generally that's a, a, a decent time to start thinking about. Uh, you know, I, people underneath that, generally you're going to want to do it yourself or you might wait till the year end to kind of collect all of that together. Um, but but um, unless you have like a, j- a day job and you can afford to hire someone to do that part and just take that, you know, annoying part off, I'd just say like 20000 30000 a month in sales is it's kind of like that mark when you, you know it kind of makes sense you're not you, you have a little bit of money to play with and maybe you're really aggressive and you want to scale the thing up and so you need yeah. to get some stuff off your plate totally yeah because i mean at least initially you're not going to have that many expenses or that i mean even with the income i mean amazon is just sending a direct deposit to your bank account twice a month or whatever yeah. but i can see how once you start scaling up there's going to be a lot more complexities to that and it's just going to take a lot of time to do all that yourself. So you definitely, at one point, you're going to need to, it's going to, and you're going to be able to justify the cost of that because you're making the money and you want to make sure that you're compliant with all the taxes and doing that properly. For sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's talk about uh, the sales tax. How about that? So that's one thing that a lot of sellers in the United States, if you're selling on amazon.com, a lot of people aren't fully aware of. Do you mind sharing uh, with people what, um, you know, what they need to know, I guess, about sales yeah, tax. Yeah, yeah. So uh, first I'll talk about, like, just why is there so much confusion and tension and, and anxiety around this? So the way I understand it is, like, uh, from an accountant's perspective and, and really the state's perspective, um, there's, there's two forms of, like, nexus is what they call it, or, like, connection to a state. So... There's what some people call a hard nexus. It's like if you have employees or owners or real estate that you own, it's a deep, that state. permanent connection in a state. Um, and when you, you have those things in a state, it creates this deep connection. And so they're going to want you to sign up for a business license and do sales tax. And for most folks, that's their home state. You know, for folks just getting started or you, I, I mean, even if they, if you have, I mean, in, until you start having employees, you're really going to be confined to your home state. Um, and, and so that's where you're going to need to do sales tax compliance, which it's generally not too, too complicated, right? Yeah. And that's um, pretty much for any business. Yeah. If, if you're living in the U.S., whatever state, there's going to be, I guess, certain The special part for e-commerce sellers is what some people coin as like soft nexus. It's when you have like this semi pre- like semi permanent presence in the state like if you have traveling salespeople or you do trade shows or if you have inventory that gets stored for a period of time before almost like a staging before okay. sending to your clients and so for amazon sellers if they use fulfillment by amazon or if you use uh, some other type of third party logistics company you're going to have inventory that gets staged in potentially a lot of states. And the, the, so for like the real conservative side, it'd say, you know, for the typical FBA seller, you're gonna have like 20 plus states that you're gonna have to like deal with sales tax in. And the level of complexity there is massive, right? Um, so the laws are kind of clear. And so in the accountants and the tax people are like, this is what you have to do. They could come after you, you know? So it sort of creates that need, and, and, and I think that's legitimate. But on the other side, you have sellers that, like, they've never known anybody that's ever got audited outside of their home state, right? Yeah. And on top of it, the cost to comply in, like, 20-plus states is so high that 
um, it te- people tend to under comply with what they technically should do. So it creates this tension where it's like you, you know what you should do, but a lot of people aren't doing it. It creates like what should I do? Like right, like no one I know is getting caught, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you tend to have people that are either like all in, or you have people that are kind of bury their head in the sand. And I and my personal perspective and and kind of. What I see a lot of sellers do from my experience is they find some type of middle ground. They'd say, I know I have a, a legal requirement in all of these states, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to track my exposure outside of my home state. And, when, and once that exposure gets like uh, to a legitimately high level, like, and that would be different for everybody. It could be 500 bucks. Like, what if you got caught holding a $500 bag? Would that absolutely ruin you, right? Um, so, like, generally they set some type of threshold in each of the states, like, you know, like a thousand or two, five thousand dollars. And what you use is a tool like taxjar.com, and you monitor exposure across all these states, and you say, hey, once I hit 5,000 or whatever your threshold is, that's going to be my trigger to go start complying. And what that's going to do is it's going to, particularly for small sellers, um, the reason why a lot of folks end up doing that is it causes their compliance to stair step. And they don't do it all at once. It allows them to get some momentum and some sales and some cash into their business before they start forking out a ton of money. Because, like, you know, like with tiny states, you sell like 20 or, yeah. you know, you might sell 200 bucks in the state of, of Wyoming, let's say. But the sales tax is six percent of that, so yeah, that's twelve dollars. Yeah, you know, it's like, like that point, it's not it's not going to be that worthwhile to go through the process and hire an accountant because you know the the risk of it is just on that twelve dollars, I guess, just paying the penalty, the interest, which is going to still be cheaper than going through that process, right? Yeah. So it, you kind of, I think, from a practical perspective, most people don't want to pay more money to comply than it would cost them if they were caught not complying. You know? Totally. So um, I, I think for most people, like maybe a level-headed approach is like, let's, let's make a, a plan so that as my business grows, I start complying more. And let me, and by setting that threshold, you're going to hit California first, then Texas and Florida and other states much further down the line. And what you do is you knock out your biggest, you know, your biggest risks first, yeah. right? And, and you don't like uh, start paying a lot of money for something that's not a particularly large risk or could have a very adverse effect on the business. Totally. So. Okay. So in terms of the, the sales tax inside, I guess, someone's seller central, they, you know, I guess, can set that up. So depending on, I guess, what state someone lives in when they're buying, you can set up that extra 6% or whatever. So that Amazon, I guess, collects that and then you would, you know, I guess, file and pay that yourself or there's... You guys can do that, or there's also like tax jar that can automatically do that for you, right? Yeah. So I'll walk you through the process. So the first thing is you got to figure out where do you have a requirement, where do you have nexus, and so essentially if you have inventory stored, that's probably going to be as wide as your nexus is. The second thing, once you have nexus and you're ready to start complying, you have to go directly to the state and register for a license. Legally, you cannot collect sales tax without a license. Like that's that's illegal. Big no no. So go register for a license. You can do that yourself. There's accountants that do that. Um, the set once you register, then you need to start collecting. You go into your shopping carts. In Amazon, you go into settings, tax settings, and then you like 
turn it on in each individual state. And so you don't need to know what the rates are. Amazon figures that out, and they actually charge you a little fee um, to calculate and collect that on your behalf. Um, so Shopify works the same way. You know, WooCommerce works the same way. You go into the shopping cart and you turn on the collection, and the shopping cart facilitates all of that and will pay it out to you, right? And that'll come, the sales tax will come to you through your deposit. And so your job is like to, and, and so the last step is once you've collected it, is you need to go file or report with the state and send the money to the state. So that's generally all gets done at the exact same time. Um, you can do that yourself. Uh, there's a tool called TaxJar, like you just mentioned, um, that will help you track and report that and do it automatically. And so, like in our firm, you know, we don't charge people to do that for them. We say just go use TaxJar because um, you know we would just be setting up TaxJar for you and charging your margin. So yeah. that's definitely a great, great place to go. Um, and so, yeah, those are the four settings, Nexus, and then registration, then collection, and then remittance. Right. And that's from end to end. And so, you know, some states, it's you need to do that monthly. Some states, it's quarterly. Some states, it's annual. Mm-hmm. Um, and generally, the states will let you know what that is. And then you just tell TaxJar, hey, this yeah. is my cadence, and boom. Yes. So how would someone determine, I guess, which fulfillment centers uh, or which states they're, you know, because Amazon... Usually they'll tell you, yeah, Amazon will be like, oh, we'll, you know, send X number of units to this state in, you know, fulfillment center and then to this one and this one because they want to spread it across the country and whatnot. So um, how would I guess they determine that? Because even throughout the year when they're ordering inventory, it might even be a variety of different states, I guess, right? So one misunderstanding is you may um, send inventory into three or four states. But then on the back end, Amazon is reallocating that inventory to any number of warehouses all across the country. And that's basically without, they don't ask you, you know, you, that's basically in your terms of service. You sign up for that and say, here, once you hand it over to them, they have free reign on where they're going to put it. So you may only send it to a handful of states, but within six to 12 months, if you're doing any kind of volume, it's going to essentially be scattered everywhere. The way to figure out exactly where that is and when you first had inventory in a warehouse, um, there's an automated way that's paid, and then there's a do-it-yourself way that's free. So um, the do-it-yourself, there's a inventory like a detail report. Um, if you, actually, if you look up, Texture has an amazing blog post on this. So if you like Google um, tax jar, how to find out where my inventory is. They'll have a great, great blog post that walks you step by step through um, that process of doing it yourself. It's pretty complicated and it's pretty uh, tedious. So there's actually a paid tool, something called wherestock.com, W-H-E-R-E, like whereismystock.com. So wherestock.com for like 20 bucks or 30 bucks, I can't remember, it'll give you, it'll um, you you buy it and it'll give you a report and it'll say, you know, stuff and there's your inventory is here, here, here in these states, and this is the very first month it arrived. So that's your like perfect nexus tool, yeah, yeah. right? Um, and uh, yeah, and, and and then you know I think Taxstar has some features where they'll tell you like, right. hey, we noticed there's stuff going on in this state. This is probably when your nexus is. But yeah. that other report is like a very like you know concrete number for you. Got it. 
And then what should uh, Amazon sellers be, I guess, tracking throughout the year and, and reporting, I guess, year-end? So I, I guess that's income and, and the expenses and whatnot, but I guess there are certain things they should be mindful of yep. as they're growing their business, for, you know, their first year, second year, et cetera. And then um, I guess at the end of the year, I, you know, I guess depending if you, what your corporate structure might be, having an accountant do that for you, just file the reports on your behalf, or what would, what would there be the process around that? Yeah, the whole reporting process. Well, one thing is, I'm going to zoom out a second, because sure. I, I think some people, they misunderstand accounting and the use case in the business. So the way I see it is, uh, accounting is really like a scorecard for your business, and the financial scorecard for your business. So um, you have two types of scorecards. You have financial statements like that you do the bookkeeping for, and you make what's called an income statement or a profit and loss. It has all your incomes and expenses, right? Um, that's one type of scorecard. And that's like a very, the way I see it is it's, it's a very zoomed out perspective of your business. It's actually, real, especially in the beginning, it's really hard to run your business from your financial statements. So in the beginning, I'd say financial statements are more for like tax purposes. And as you get bigger, you, you'll, you'll start to see some things going. Really, I think in, in the beginning, when you're, you know, in the first stage, like you actually need to zoom in on your business. You need to actually have something like an analytics tool that'll help you understand the specific, like which SKU is more profitable than another SKU. And like, when do I need to replenish my inventory? When am I going to stock out? And, uh, you know, those like detailed granular metrics. Like, I think a lot of people associate that with accounting and think accounting should do that. But those kinds of questions are really important to answer early on and help you get your business off the ground. And actually, uh, third, like, non-accounting systems are great for that. So, like, I don't know if you have, like, uh, analytics tools that you recommend or, or, or what, but, yeah. like, Managed by Stats is one I see. Right. Hello Profits, another Amazon so that's tool. That's kind of, like, I guess, inventory management? Yeah, inventory management and, like, revenue analytics yeah. and advertising analytics. Yeah. Like, those analytics are really, really important to go get, find out and get a tool, and, and you could really start to operate your business from that early on. But in terms of, like, the compliance side, like, making sure, you know, like, the government's not going to come after you, um, the way, I'll kind of go into some specifics in terms of bookkeeping, and some of the challenges I see people running into is, like, every every um, business, they I think, like, the income statement with your income and expenses, right? So there's, like, a revenue section, and then there's, like, your, what's called direct costs. These are, like, all the costs associated with your inventory, um, that can be a pretty tricky part, and then uh, and then all the, you have all of these like operating expenses underneath here, like you know your phone bill or like software that you subscribe to. On the revenue side, at the very top, the challenges I see is a lot of people think that the payout that I get from Amazon, the biweekly payout, I'll just call that sales. I'll just turn that into revenue. The reality of that is that every two weeks when you get that payout, you actually had sales up here. Amazon took out a bunch of fees. They might have added in a little sales tax, and then they brought you your payout. So it's really, really important that you have a way to track and split and get that detail out because uh, the government will think you're under-reporting your sales, and you just like it, it's 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 like. You're not going to get in trouble. It's just you're going to go through the hassle of trying to explain to them, like, I just did the accounting wrong. I didn't underreport my my income. I just 
I actually underreported my income and my expenses. Yeah. So, so at the revenue side, you really need a tool and a process to help split all that stuff out. There's a great tool called A2X Accounting. Eight. The Two number X. A, like oh, for A, a for Amazon. Amazon. The the number two, the letter X stands for zero. Okay. Um, XER is accounting system, and then accounting A2X Accounting dot com, um, and that works with zero accounting cloud accounting system that works with QuickBooks online as well. Amazing, amazing tool. Um, it, like push button easy. Like it's it, yeah, it's a little challenging getting it first going, but once you get it going, it's like push button easy. Um, so that's the revenue side. The real trip up I see in the middle, like what people accountants call direct costs. It's like these are all the costs that when you make a sale, your expenses go up. So these are like processing fees. These would be like your seller fees, fulfillment fees. This would be the cost of your inventory. Um, if when you make a sale and expense, it creates an expense. That's the stuff you want to track in the middle level. And uh, so the real trip up I see here is is um, with inventory. So most people think I made an inventory purchase, so I have an inventory expense. The challenge is like the the technical term for that is called cost of goods sold. And if you notice that title, it's called cost of goods sold and not cost of goods purchased. Right. And so the, in the accounting, there's this thing where if the way the, the government sees and proper accounting sees is like when you make an inventory purchase, um, it, it actually has, it keeps its value. Yeah. Like it doesn't immediately just go away like a software subscription, yeah. you know, or like a, you know, like a, a paper supplies. Like, so what you do is, uh, what you do is you need to turn that inventory into an asset in your accounting, and then once it sells, you take it out of inventory. So that's when it's an expense. Exactly. It's only the ones that have sold of your inventory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, you have to, you have to. It's like this two-set system where you can only write off inventory that's been sold. And so that can trip people up too, because yeah. it what it'll end up doing is you're you're in one month it looks like you absolutely lost a ton of money, and then the next month you made a lot of money. Because what you do is you put a ten thousand dollar purchase order in, and you're like, oh, that's all inventory expense. Yeah. And so it like, and you hadn't made money on that inventory oh, yeah. yet. Yeah. Right. And so it makes your it makes you look like all over the place. So yeah. proper accounting is we want to level that out. We want to match the inventory expense with the inventory revenue. So that's, that's the mentality behind it. And then, so those are the big ways I see people yeah. tripping up. Beyond that, all underneath, like the operating expenses, like you don't, it, it's not that, that complicated. You just need to make sure an expense is an expense. Yeah. Like, yeah. and if you call it an office expense or you call it a software expense, like that's really up to you. Yeah. So let's talk about that for a moment. So um, I guess one of, the, one of the benefits, I mean, there's expenses that we all have to run and operate our businesses yeah. that you can write off. And you can use that to, you know, use as expenses to help help offset some of the taxes that you pay year end. Yeah. What are typical things that someone would write off and use as an expense in their business? Because there might be certain things that you might be using for your business. Like if you're working from home, maybe uh, a percentage, like a, a certain room that you're using for office space, or yeah. it might be part of your cell phone bill or inter- internet connection. Some of those things that you're using legit are legitimate expenses. Sure. What are some of the things that you see for a lot of sellers that they could use? Yeah, so the number of expenses that you could, in theory, have for your business, I, I could name those all, of course. Um, and uh, I, I think some of the things that people, uh, like, they don't realize are business expenses are, like, all the ones you just said, as, is stuff that you maybe typically have for, you use personally, but a good portion of that you use for business. 
And so, like, I mean, we could get, I don't want to get into all the technicalities, but essentially the idea is, like, if you have an expense, the principle is whatever portion of the time you use that for business, you want to um, t- write that off. So if it's $100 and 70% of that's for the business, you yeah. write off 70 bucks. Right. And that's I, I the, that's yeah. the principle. I mean, there's some, there's some details in there here and there, like home office, but... Yeah. I think an accountant, you'd be better served talking to an accountant yeah. to get all those real specifics. The, I think the, the gold standard is, like, did you legitimately use this for your business? If so, it's a business expense. Mm-hmm. And if you didn't, then you shouldn't. But some people get really creative, yeah. and they yeah. find a connection back to <laughs> business. Uh, and you're, you're on your own if you do yeah. that. Yeah. And it's important, I think, to understand, I mean, people watching or listening to this might be from all over the world and different countries are going to have different rules and things like that to be aware of. Yeah. So it is worth talking to an accountant, you know, once it makes sense to do so, you know, in your home country. Just be aware of that, and they can help you determine all, all the different things. And, you know... I guess if you're just be prepared if you get audited or questioned by the IRS or whatever that you have good explanation you can justify and back up that expense. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's that's the total gold standard right there. Yeah, cool. Is there anything else that uh, you know a lot of I guess sellers need to know or, or, or things that they should be aware of with uh, in terms of what you guys do and just the accounting in general? Um, yeah, uh, I would say. One of, the, one of the things I've talked about software already is one of the things I see people trip, get tripped up with is if you try to get software to do something it's not meant to do. And I've kind of touched on, like, don't get accounting software to be your analytics tool. And on the flip side, don't try to get your analytics tool to be your accounting software. They really have two different functions. Um, another one is, like, uh, is, is definitely automate things that can be automated. But then there's actually, on the flip side, there's something... There's, some things that, if you try to automate them, like a lot of times it's integrations or they try to pull your revenue into your accounting system, they'll end up making your life actually a lot harder than if you just did it just manually or whatever. So I think it's one thing you have to think about. And the last thing is, this is a really big principle, that is you need to think about when, most people care about accuracy when they're doing accounting, and you really need to think about, instead of meticulous accuracy, you need to think about material accuracy. And th- this is something that we've learned the hard way over a few years, is that most, a lot of people are sticklers. Like, they want to know something down to the penny, right? Um, but at the end of the day, like, accuracy has two, re- you have two purposes for being accurate with your books. One is the IRS. And at the end of the day, the IRS, like, um, here in the U.S., they just want you to know, that they would just want to know you're making a good faith effort to to report it in, in, you know, like, in a material way. Like, you're not, you're not reporting something that was a $1,000 expense as a $10,000 expense, right? They, they want you to be materially accurate. Um, and so for the IRS, they don't care if you're, down in the, if you're off a few cents with your inventory evaluation. And they don't care if you have, like, you call something an office expense instead of software. Like, it's, it's kind of, in the big picture, it's all the same. So that's the first purpose. The second purpose is making decisions. And like I said, accounting systems are like this 50,000-foot view. I see a lot of people get tripped up. They spend hours and hours if, they try, if they're doing their own accounting. They spend hours and hours like, trying to like, figure out their inventory value down to the penny. And then 
try to figure out like, oh, but this month, I, I know it went up a little, and they like, spend another few hours trying to calculate it. Oh, it went up four cents, you know, and they want it to be perfect. But at the end of the day, you know if your inventory is, is profitable or not. Like, is, is a 20 cent swing going to be that make, you know, take something on, from unprofitable, for me, from profitable, unprofitable? Like, if so, your margins are so small, I'm not sure you should be selling it. So I just think at the end of the day, you need to actually be thinking about, like, you need to be like, balancing efficiency with accuracy. And so for us, like, we want to get stuff really fairly close yeah. so that's materially accurate. And then move on, yeah. you know? And that way you're not, like, <laughs> this part of your business doesn't drag you down. Because yeah. I talk yeah. to so many people, it's like they're beating their head against the wall trying to get this particular calculation perfect. And when I let them know, like, you know, like, they, they try to split up lines of their business and get everything down. And it's just like, you're going to make your life hell. So, totally. like, 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 let's see the big picture here. Totally. Um, and uh, in terms of maybe how we can help them, uh, so we have two options. We have uh, for do-it-yourself options. They're totally free. Um, it's we actually used to pay three. We used to charge three hundred dollars um, for these courses, and we decided that you know people at the low end like they just need a lot of help. And I could squeeze money out of you, but like I just want to help you. So we have like courses that walk through our bookkeeping process and how to set up the exact same automation that we use right. and to do your books in 30 minutes, hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours a month tops. Yeah. So I would definitely check those out. And we're, we're putting a, core, I mean, a, a group together so that if you're doing it yourself and you have questions along the way, we want to support you and help you. And, and the big idea here is like in the beginning when you have to do it yourself, no one wants to do it themselves or at least you know 99%. Um, we want to help you there, and the big idea is like you eventually you're going to get to the point where you want to leverage your time, leverage your expertise to not do admin in your business. You want it to re- generate revenue, to scale up, to build teams, and so um, we provide a done for you option and take that all off your plate, and in so that there's no there's no handholding. You know, we, the idea is like we don't want you to have to worry about it or invest a lot of time here. So we t- use our deep expertise to do all that stuff for them. So we have a team, a U.S.-based team, um, that we do all the books each month, and we can um, consult on sales tax side and make sure tax jars set up right for them, payroll set automation set up right for them, and then we can do your corporate tax return. Um, and, and for some folks, they're like they're sole proprietors, so they're gonna their business is gonna flow through to their personal tax return, and we'll give you the forms and all the information you need to take to a personal tax guy or gal. Um, so that all of that compliance, we will take that off your plate, and um, and we have our pricing is super transparent. It's, you know, some people charge hourly; we just charge a fixed price. Um, so that it's super predictable and it doesn't penalize us for getting better at what we do. Very cool. Yeah, I know. I think this is uh, very eye-opening for a lot of people watching and listening to this. And I think you've definitely, like, you just provided so much value and explained things really well for people. So thank you for that. Uh, your website is museminded.com. Is that right? Correct. Okay. Muse, M-U-S-E, minded. M-I-N-D-E-D. I'm sure you put yeah. it on the yeah. But um, yeah, museminded.com. And uh, essentially, all the information's there. 
Cool, cool. So check out MuseMinded.com. Uh, I know you're, we were talking earlier and you graciously provided a, a discount for those of you that are watching or listening to this uh, as a sub- subscriber of Project Life Mastery. So if you're ready for the done-for-you type service, um, you provided a 10% off. Can you maybe explain what, what that is and what the, the code is they can use to get that? Sure, sure, sure. So um, just to give back, you guys have an amazing community and uh, essentially we have a 10% off for the first six months. Um, and, and actually we have a free trial too. So we have a free trial. You can come check us out. And when you're ready to like get this off your plate, um, the code is PLM418. And if you use that six-digit code, um, we have a form that will that you essentially, when you become a client, will ask you, "Hey, do you have a referral code?" Right. So plug in that referral code, and uh, and essentially, you guys get a great discount to get off the ground and put a little bit of margin back in your business to keep things going. Awesome. So at the very least, check out the free stuff he has, the free courses. I think that's going to be invaluable for all of you. If you're at that stage where you need uh, someone like. Um, Jeremiah here to take that over for you. Again, take advantage of their service, museminded.com, and uh, take advantage of that awesome discount, PLM418. Otherwise, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time. Cheers. Really appreciate it. And uh, thank you guys so much for watching. We'll see you again in the next video. Hey, I just want to say thanks again for watching this video. And if you want to get started to build your own online business on Amazon, then I'd love to give you some free video training that I put together that shares with you more about this process and more in-depth, step-by-step, how you can get started to build your own online business on Amazon to create whatever kind of internet lifestyle that you want for yourself. So to get access to this free video training, all you got to do is just go to www dot projectlifemastery.com slash fba okay projectlifemastery.com slash fba fba as in fulfillment by amazon and i also have a link uh, in the description of this video as well that you can click on head on over to that page all you got to do is just put in your name and your email address and then check your email inbox and then right away i'll send you uh, some valuable videos and resources to help you get started learn more about this and guide you in that right direction and then you'll get uh, a few more emails from me uh, over the next few weeks i just don't want to overwhelm you too much right away uh, but i'm not going to spam you or anything like that i want to make sure that i provide some awesome high quality free content that can help you build your own online business on amazon so thanks again for watching and i'll talk to you again soon take care Thanks for joining me today and listening to this podcast. If you enjoyed this episode or received any value, then I'd love for you to leave an honest review on iTunes and subscribe to the Project Life Mastery podcast for future episodes. And of course, to receive more content and value, make sure to find and follow me at www.projectlifemastery.com for more. Thanks again. Remember to always believe and commit your life to mastery. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. 
Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.